do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. You are now listening to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast with your host, George Valenzuela. This is education coach George Valenzuela. Welcome to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast, where I provide all educators, whether instructional leaders or teachers, tips on how to be their best, both personally and professionally. Now let's get into it. We are here today with my very good friend, Dr. Chris DeLay, who's an entrepreneur and the co-host or a co-host of the SEL and EDU podcast with the amazing Craig Martin. How are you? I am fabulous. Thank you. And isn't Craig Martin amazing? I could just listen to him talk forever. <laughs> he definitely is. And we will get to him in a moment. Um, I love that you excel in three major areas of your life. Number one, you're an awesome mom to your three amazing boys. Number two, you're very dedicated to supporting educators with SEL integration into their lessons. And three, you're passionate about traveling. Now, before we get into how you excel at each of these three things at such a high level, please introduce yourselves to our audience. Yes. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Crystal Lay. I've been in education for 24 years and am incredibly passionate about SEL. I was a high school teacher for 10 years and instructional tech coach for five years. And now I work around the country helping educators create K-12 sustainable, scalable cultures of SEL. And that's amazing. So I see you online every week and I'm just like amazed at at, at your journey. Um, I'm someone that's all over the place. And so to see another educator, (laughs) you know, doing that, um, it makes me really happy. So before we dive in, before we dive in, you and I were introduced by the amazing Craig Martin. I cannot show him enough love, enough props. If he's watching, he will be on the show. I'm hoping in April or in May. Um, but can you describe how our relationship our personal relationship has evolved since he yes. introduced us. Um, so you were on our podcast, SEL and EDU, and I learned all of the amazing work you were doing and how you were helping educators realize that SEL was not one more thing, that it is mm. deeply integrated into what they're already doing. But sometimes we just need a little bit more support with being explicit about it so that our students are truly understanding and becoming co-creators in this process. And so I've been following you on your journey um, and learning and reading your books that you have out and watching your podcast, because I think that we have very similar goals in that we want to connect people who are doing this work because we have so many students out there and educators who need the support that there is so much work to do. How can we support each other in really providing an equitable um, learning experience for all students? Man, that's fantastic. And I... When I look at your work, I realize that you're very dedicated to social emotional learning as a purist and (laughs) that you and and that you stay very true to those five competencies. And you talk a lot about the skills, but I don't want to get into that yet because I want (laughs) to talk about parenthood. So this is called the Lifelong Learning Defined Podcast. And on our podcast, we want folks, even if they're outside of education, We want folks to tune in and to learn things from our guests that will help them level up and improve in all areas of their life. And so being a parent is something that I've always 
wanted to be. And I think I wanted to be a parent in the beginning, not now, but more than I wanted to be a husband and more than I wanted anything. And I think it's because of my own broken childhood and not knowing my own dad and not having my mom in my life. And so I get to connect with so many educators and Krista is one that I am friends with on Facebook. So I get to see a little bit behind the scenes of her life. And so Krista, what does being a mom mean to you? I love this question because it really got me thinking. Um, I didn't always want to be a mom in high school, in college, I because I was very career driven and I didn't think that that would be something I would be good at. And so mm. I did have my older son when I was younger. I was 23 when I got married, 24 when I had him. And back then I thought I knew everything. And I think back now and I'm like, I was such a baby. I know nothing against the early 20 somethings, but I thought I knew everything and I knew nothing. And so, um, and then I had Jared, I had Ethan first and then I had Jared just a couple years later and I was a high school teacher. And so working with and having the younger kids, I didn't quite understand all of the complexity. So I did a lot of reading. My favorite book at the time was Raising Your Spirited Child. Um, and I think that being a mom for me really is the most vulnerable thing that I've ever done in my life because it's having, and it, there's a quote about this, but it's having your heart come out of your body and like walk on the earth. And so I have three parts of my heart out there walking around and I just want the best for them. And I want them to do the best for other people. Like I just want to put good out into the world and I don't know that I excel, but I am super proud of the men that they are and who they have become. Mm. And that is an amazing testimony. And I remember an actor named Colin Farrell. Remember him? Yes, I do. And, and he he's someone. Oh, he did? I think Which he award did. did he win? Win an award or his, his new movie had won a bunch of awards. Okay. All right. Yes. So maybe so. I'm not up yes. on him now, but I was a fan once upon a time. And I remember him saying when he had his son, it's like being in love and knowing that you will, that it will never break up. And I think people, and I'm not saying you, but I know me that have had failed relationships or have taken the long path to love, right. And to marriage and, and to a meaningful relationship or a sustainable relationship. I think that parenthood, has given them that one relationship that has unconditional love. And when I heard you speak, I just thought of him in the quote. Yes. And and so my ex-husband, um, Ethan and Jared's dad, didn't know his dad and his mom wasn't around a whole lot. And so we really talked about what does this mean for our family? And, you know, through a series of things, we're not together, but we were really serious about being on the same page co-parenting. And so I'm mm. very grateful that we have been able to sustain that because we want the same things for our boys. And then my third son, I call my bonus son, came into my life eight years ago when he was like eight and a half, nine. And so he's 17 now. Um, so I have a 17, 18 and 21 year old. And so I know he has a mom and he has a dad and I have a great respect for that. Um, but he, I love him like my two sons, my bio sons, right? So um, I feel my <laughs> life is very full. <laughs> yeah, so co-parenting is something that I started to do back in 2005. So it's been a long time now. 
And in the beginning, it was rough for me, um, mm -hmm. the first three years. And I realized that I had to get my act together. And once I got my act together, everything was has been fine ever since. So you mentioned that you have a 21-year-old, an 18-year-old, and a 17-year-old. Yes. How do you maintain your close relationships with them at these ages? Yeah, um, they're all very different and unique. And I think that it's interesting to respect that and who they are and how they show up in the world. Um, my 21-year-old and I have a deep love of music. We like very similar songs. So when he hears something, he'll send it to me. He just went to see Evanescence and Muse in Philly. the other, And so he was sending me pictures and videos of the songs. When he comes across the song he likes, he sends it to me. And we also really love like sunset and sunrise pictures and landscape pictures. So we keep in touch, um, not only by a weekly call, which I'm super proud of. He calls me on Sundays, which I really like um, because I want to respect his space too while he's away at school. But we keep in touch through music and by sending pictures that have been really meaningful and moved us. My 18-year-old is getting ready to go to college and we bond through music. He listens to a different type of music than what I traditionally do. Um, but I've always been very open to hearing, like, tell me about the lyrics. Tell me why you like this. And and um, so in the car rides, he gets to put on the playlist. And he's very into computer gaming. And so he talks to me about the people that he's met, the games that he's played, what he's watching, um, and how he is integrating that type of learning into what he wants to do in his future. And my bonus son and I spent a lot of car time together, driving him back and forth to school um, when he was with us for those nights. And so I feel like we talk a lot about social justice and politics and because we have very different viewpoints. Um, the interesting thing about co-parenting is the boys are across multiple households and we don't all have the same political and social views. And so he and I generally have really deep conversations about life and people. And I do with my boys, but he's more kind of searching for different perspectives and how that fits in with his own and what he's hearing in other contexts. Oop, I lost you for a moment. And so that's amazing. Oh, and so you have to, and so you have to um, keep up on video games, <laughs> on music and on politics. Yes. So I'm kind of dumb with politics myself, but you definitely have to <laughs> know what's going on. Yeah, so, I was a former social studies teacher, so I try oh, to hold on to threads of it, mm -hmm. even though sometimes I get, it hurts my heart. Yeah, so to all my listeners out there, I know we're being polarized every week, every month, every day, and so we're trying to, to maintain, but see, I get to travel the country, and I'm in middle America, I'm on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast, and I will say... When I'm around town and in different places, people are getting along and people are, are finding common ground where it's needed. And so I think what's on, right, what's on the social media feed doesn't always reflect what's happening in the real world, in my opinion. I, I totally agree with you. And in my experiences in schools, the students want to talk, the admin want to talk, the teachers want to talk, and it might be a couple community members who um, don't feel comfortable with everything. But I do feel very strongly that if we don't learn how to have respectful conversation, we can never learn from each other. So instead of shutting down the conversation, how can we learn how to be respectful and to hear where somebody else is coming from um, without 
creating those barriers to communication. So before we shift into education, though, what would you tell a parent who is struggling to connect with his or her child? Um, what would you tell them? Three yeah. simple things. Um, when my kids were younger, I would say holding them. Like I, would, I, I learned that just holding them and listening and trying to help them have the words to communicate how they're feeling was really critical. And then mm. as they're older, again, the active listening, empathetic listening, I never shut down a conversation. I always, even if it was something that I'm like, oh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I wanted to hear where they were at and try not to place any judgment on that. And I think that that has really helped solidify our relationship because they'll tell me things that they're not sure how I feel about it, but they know I'm still going to love and respect and care for them, even if I might disagree with them or their action. So what I'm hearing is unconditional regard. Is that what I'm hearing? Much better way. To, yes. Yes. I love that. And that goes back to that connectedness, that bond that you can hold on to for life. All right. So my kids are the primary reason why I started to learn about social and emotional learning. So I want to transition now into SEL. And it's amazing. Um, folks that know me and listen to this podcast or view it on YouTube, they know that I began learning about emotional intelligence, which is the purpose of SEL back in 2018, 2019, because of my two children, I was struggling to really connect with them. And I realized that I had some learning gaps and I had things that I had to learn. And one of the things that I was doing wrong was my feedback. And by reading a book that is called Emotional Intelligence 2.0, it's by Dr. Travis Radbury and Jean Greaves, and taking an appraisal and doing activities, I learned how to provide better feedback. But it also put me on a onto the journey I'm on now. So just yesterday, I got off a call with, with um, Solution Tree. And SEL is huge. SEL is huge. And they're making a new landing page for my work and for SEL in general. And you can see that I'm doing SEL work, not just with adults, but also young people now. Mm -hmm. And if someone would have told me, if someone would have told me a few years ago, that topics that are in SEL, emotional intelligence, they would be part of the curricula in schools. I would have never, ever believed them. I thought it was personal, internal work I had to do on myself, at home, with my kids, and it was not something that I would ever extend outside. So, Dr. Lay, how did you hear about SEL, and how did you get on your current path? Yes, um... I wanted to become a high school teacher because I had all these thoughts and feelings and emotions when I was in high school. And I didn't know that it was called SEL, but I thought through a longer path that this was something that I might be interested in doing and how can I support other teenagers? So it wasn't that I loved social studies, which I do, but I loved working with the students more and being a support system for them. And so I didn't realize it was SEL until about 18 years ago when um, one of my SEL mentors, Tom Stecker, came into our school district to help us because I was on a team that was helping students who were experiencing barriers to learning, mental health, drugs, and alcohol, and helping them get connected to resources to help 
support the SEL process. And so we started a student leadership organization about on how we could explicitly build these skills with very diverse groups of students and not just race and ethnicity, but socioeconomic status and interests and language and gender and biological sex, all of that. Um, and I started doing a deeper dive into SEL. And you mentioned I am a castle purist. I believe in those five competencies. And because I think that they're really important on their own, but they're very interconnected. And I think the better we are at any one of them, it can help us become better in the others as well. Um, so we were able to have a class where we worked with these leadership students. And that began my research and connecting that to practice in helping educators be able to explicitly integrate that into the classroom, because if we're not explicit, it goes right over the students' heads and they're not quite sure what happened. Um, I had my 21-year-old when he was in eighth grade was like, my math teacher doesn't teach. I'm like, really? Tell me more. And so she put them into groups and gave them a chance to collaborate and to communicate and to problem solve and to actively listen to each other. But because she didn't focus on those skills, it just went right over his head. And I think our students need to be aware of working on those skills and their own progress towards growth. Yeah, I totally agree. And <clears throat> one of the things that I appreciate about Castle is that they have a behavioral framework. And to folks out there that are aware of Castle and the five competencies, you'll notice that on their graphic, when it's in color, that self-awareness for self-management is an orange. That's because that really pertains to skill sets that relate to self. And social awareness for relationships is in green because those are skill sets that relate to others and then responsible decision making is in yellow and they apply those skills apply to all the other four all five i should say but the thing that i've learned in my work is that sel it can't be one size fits all because not all young people have the same issues and so one of the things that i've learned in my work is that we have to update our SEL plans by pulling from other pedagogies. For example, if our students have a fight or they have an argument, so now we have to restore justice. And so by bringing in restorative practices into our SEL plan and helping young people the way that they need to be helped, we have found that instruction or instructional focus, I should say, isn't always lost. So now Krista, I see you in schools all the time. What are you finding that you need to introduce to complement the Castle Five? Mm -hmm. um, I think that the Castle Five, for me, are the overreaching pieces. So, you know, through the research from Castle, I think it was, I'm losing dates here, 2015 and 18 or 17, they've looked at all of these SEL programs and there aren't any one, there isn't any one program that focuses on all five competencies equitably. And so if you have a program, where is the focus? And then what can you add to it to make sure students are getting all five? And I, you mentioned there's the intrapersonal, the interpersonal. I still separate them out into the original colors because I think of it as self-awareness and social awareness, how we're thinking about ourselves and others, and then mm. self 
management and relationship skills than how we're acting based on our thinking. And so also what I'm seeing in schools is that we do a really good job of focusing on self-management, social skills, uh, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making, but we're not always as focused, especially at the secondary level, on self-awareness and social awareness and really breaking that apart because I think that, that dr our thinking can drive our um, responses. And I think if we can focus on that more explicitly with our students, that that will help them. One other thing I would add in that I'm seeing is that for secondary teachers especially, we can't do all of these competencies on our own, like build all of these skills. But if we can adopt some that are natural, like that fit our strengths, mm. they're like self-management, I'm not as strong in because of the goal set. Like I have to work extra hard at those pieces. So maybe I'm not the best one to introduce that into my content area, into my classroom, the way that I work and my student needs. But if I have colleagues who I know are strong in that and are integrating that, how are we working together as a collective community to ensure that students have the skill sets they need? Um, we as educators need to be, I think, competent in all of them, but we excel too. So kind of like, let's see where we can build our strengths to meet our students' needs as well. All right, so I'm gonna ask you an elephant in the room question. Okay. Um, when I meet people, other educators, other, I should say, aspiring entrepreneurs, edupreneurs, they're not asking me about all of this stuff. They're asking me, how are you getting booked? Like, how are you getting booked? Like, how are you all over the place? So Krista, every time I'm in Twitter, I'm on Instagram, either you're on your podcast or you're somewhere in front of teachers. How did this happen? Um, honestly, word of mouth. I'm very much an introvert <laughs> in my real life. Um, and so I have a very dear friend who's part of the company, Sheila Kennedy, who helps me with some of the social media pieces. And she's like, you need to put out where you're at and what you're doing and highlight the great work that these other teachers are doing because that's how we connect to each other. And that's how we elevate the profession in social emotional learning. Um, and so it, I feel like if I, I have done good work and that people feel that they've built their awareness, that they built their confidence and competence in SEL, they'll tell other people about it. And so then it kind of works that way. Um, yeah, I'm not very good at like the cold call emails and sending out things and like, I need the connectedness. I need to, to have these kind of conversations to get to know somebody, to see where they're at, where they wanna go, what they've already done and see how I can support them in that process. Well, I will say this to folks that are listening. The social media algorithms, I don't think, reward what we do. Not the educational stuff. But, but prospective clients need to see that you have an online presence. Follow Krista. Follow Krista at renaissance underscore ed. And the reason why is because she's uh, a thriving example of what having a strong online presence looks like. So I highly recommend that. So, all right, Krista. So we got your sense on SEL and, and the competencies. We, we learned how you're being booked for SEL. What would you tell a teacher who's struggling, not just maybe in teaching SEL, but also with their own SEL? What would you tell a teacher? 
that is struggling. I think that the biggest piece of advice I would give is to embrace the pause. I think that our lives as, as teachers, and especially those who are in the classroom, I still do in classroom coaching, so I get to be in that moment. There are so many decisions being made and so many people pulling for who desperately need your attention. And we're in such a fast paced, we need to get through this, we need to get to this test, we need to just pause and help ourselves regulate because how we interact and respond to students really helps establish the culture and the climate of the room and build relationships. And so I would say for us, think about who we are, how we show up and embrace that pause so we can really put forth the best model of SEL in our interactions and responses with students. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And there's nothing I can even add to that. So thank you so much. So now we're going to transition into the final thing. And I know you excel at many things, but we're only covering three today, right? Thank you. I have imposter syndrome. Um, I'm feeling super good after this call. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I have imposter syndrome. So like, and I think a lot of us do who are in this work. So hearing you say this, I'm like, oh, I'm, thank you. I'm feeling pretty good here. So I want to give a shout out to my boy, Joey Mendoza, who we have to get on the show in South Texas. He's saying embrace the pause. That's powerful, powerful. So, so I have a friend, her name is Dr. Crystal Caballero, and she also told me about imposter syndrome. And I have to say, you know, I have to say for those out there listening and for you, because you're my dear friend. Just keep doing what you're doing and, 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 and believe that you're being sent to people and they're being sent to you. And, and so I think that practice builds competence and competence builds confidence. And so at one time I used to suffer from that and now I don't. Now there's time. So I was in New Orleans and I couldn't believe it. They had a thousand chairs in that ballroom and in my mind i'm thinking there's no way that that's all for me and that we will fill this up and it filled up and for a minute for a minute i got these little butterflies but they're just natural and so all you have to do is like michael jordan said is make the butterflies fly in the same direction and so you know dr lay i i will tell you you are doing amazing work um, I wouldn't just tell you that. Trust me. Thank I want, I want to just tell you that. And, and so just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing and you'll see. But now look, I want to get into travel. I want to get into travel. Yes. So traveling is something that I can't say that I'm very good at. And it's funny because I'm in a different city every week. I'll be honest. I mind my business. I go into a city. I go into my hotel room. I get my Uber Eats meaning that they drop off the food and I prepare for, for the very next day. Being a presenter, being a coach is extremely draining, mm -hmm. extremely draining. And I'm trying to, to, what's the word I'm looking for? Protect your energy. Maybe I don't want to put words into your mouth. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, not protect my energy. Um, pace myself. I'm trying to pace myself so that I'm always at my best. But when I get to a really great city, and they're all great cities, but where there's a lot of sightseeing and stuff like that, 
I will stay an extra day or two and I go sightseeing. But something that I started doing with my wife and my and 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 my two children is we choose one country a year and we and and we go visit it. So we've been to Colombia and recently we went to England and to Paris. And I have to say, when you plan out your trip right and you know where you want to go, it is amazing. So can you share with us? What makes you passionate about traveling and where are some of the cool places that you've been? Um, traveling reminds me how interconnected we all are and how we're all here to live our best lives. And to me, that we are connected. And so I do believe that what you put out into the world, like you want the good out in the world. Um, and so early on, I got to travel because I would volunteer to chaperone high school trips. So I've been to Spain, Italy a few times, France, Greece, and I realized how much it filled my bucket. And so I just love to observe and to take in and to learn. And the people that I meet in these different places, I realize that we're more connected than what you might think because of things we have in common or places we've been or people we know even. Um, and so I do something similar. My husband and I, he is um, Italian. He speaks Italian, Spanish, and English. And so it does help us with some of our travel, be able to communicate. And um, I took Spanish and French and I've lost some of it, but I need to relearn. But in the last couple of years, I've been to Costa Rica, the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, um, Mexico, Canada, I feel like they're close by though, um, uh, the Bahamas. And so I'm always looking for where can I go next? And so I, I feel like I, I love the work that I do. And so that I do it because it's a passion, but then I do need to pay my bills and put my, <laughs> help my kids out. Um, but then it's to travel and where are we going next? And I love the planning. And so I really want to go to uh, Peru uh, South America, Thailand, um, to see the Aurora Borealis. So um, I do, I, I try to take the boys because I want them to experience, but they're also in different phases of their life. So I'll do mini trips. Like my older son really wants to go to Nashville. So we're planning a Nashville trip with him and my parents in a couple weeks so he can experience that. And I love making those memories with them. Uh, we've taken them to Italy before. And so um, to me, it's just bucket filling and a reminder of the togetherness. Yeah. So, you know, Italy is on my bucket list. Nashville is a great city. Did, did y'all do like all the bar hopping and like, you know, going from one bar to another? <laughs> yes, and we love live music. So what's better yeah. than to sit and listen to some music and, and hear different styles as well? Right. So to all, to all my people out there listening that may not like country music. You will not be let down in Nashville. I we went bar hopping and I heard hip hop. I heard the '80s music all in a country format, and I thought it was pretty cool. So that's to see the skills that people have. I oh, yeah. don't play music, and so to appreciate, even if I'm not maybe into that style of music, to appreciate the skill sets that other people have and the strengths that they're bringing to the community. So I do want to ask you a question now. Now, and this wasn't even in our script. Um, how do you correlate your own SEL with your travel? That's a great question. Um, so my husband and I are not into all inclusives. 
And so I do think that you need to be, I think for me, travel is experiencing it and not uh, uh, perhaps an Americanized version of that. And so we'll usually do an Airbnb and we ask like where their cultural places to go. And so we'll rent a car like we were in Puerto Rico and we drove for two days and everywhere we stopped, we would talk to people and say, where should we go? Where are some great historical places or cultural places or where can we go get the best authentic food? And so Mm -hmm. um, I feel that that is. And what I've learned is that the more I learn about other people, the more I learn about myself and the more I know about myself the better, more authentic relationships I have with other people. And so I do feel that those five competencies are very cyclical and very interconnected. Um, Mm. And so even though it might be a little uncomfortable, right, because it's (laughs) different, how can I be aware of and challenging my assumptions that I might have about what I think I'm going to experience and then what I experience and how I'm a better person because of that? That is so good. That is such a good answer. And the one thing that I will say to folks that are thinking about traveling, and that's why I want you to talk about this, is that it will be the resurrection and they will still be trying to get schools figured out. If you're not an educator, it'll be the resurrection and they will be trying to figure out your jobs and and the world the way it is. So take time out for yourself. And I heard a really great piece of advice or anecdote, and I'm not sure from who, but it was on the Ed Milet podcast, which I would subscribe if I were you out there listening. And someone said that the same amount of work that it takes to do your work, the same energy and thought processes and all of that is required to rest and enjoy yourself. So make sure you take time out for travel and to do the things and visit the places that you want to see. And so Krista, what would you recommend to someone who wants to start traveling, but isn't really sure how to plan to travel? Three top things. Yep. Um, You don't need to go far. You don't need to go to another country or spend money um, flying somewhere. Uh, My parents would put us all, I'm the oldest of four, in a car, and we would travel to cities around us. So DC, New York, and I don't think you necessarily need to have money to do all the things, but just walking around and talking to people and taking in the sights, I think is really important. And so, and also the time in the car together is really good bonding time as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not just where you go and what you do, but it's the process Because I do acknowledge that, like, I don't have just money that I can be like, hey, I'm going here. Like, we actively work on here's where we want to go. Let's save up to have this experience. Um, And so thinking smaller and maybe redefining what you think of travel and just looking at a new experience or something that's different than what you're used to in Mm. your everyday life. Mm. So everyone listening, you have to save. You have to save. So just to recap. I pick three things that I love and respect about you. You're a great mom. You're a great SEL educator and a coach. And you're a traveler or you're passionate about traveling. But what is one thing that you want to leave the audience with to know about you? Um, my two core values, and I love the name of your podcast, George, is learning and courage. And so I never feel that I have it all figured out. Like sometimes I think I'm like, this is really good. I'm proud of this. 
but I know it can always be better. So I'm constantly refining things and adding to it. Um, but then the courage part comes from being able to say, I have to start over again and rebuild this because I want it to be better. And so sometimes I think it, it, it those two remind me that I want to keep learning and I thrive in learning. But then that means I need to be okay with recreating and rebuilding and maybe admitting that I made a misstep or that I could have done things differently. Um, so I think that I really love partnerships with people where we can feed off of one another to continue to grow and create the best environments for those who are near and dear to us and those we work with and are surrounded by. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I'm not, I'm not even going to add to it, but now is the part of the show where we give you your flowers. So Krista, Dr. Lay, you are making a huge impact on the world. You are meeting with people, you're speaking to people, you're leaving artifacts online virtually in your sessions that will be here way long after you're gone. You're planting seeds, even if you don't think you are, you are. There are plenty of young people and even adults that may not be ready to receive information, but they are receiving it. And when the time is right, they will think about and reflect on what you said and look at their own life and see where they might take your advice. And so I will say to you that I'm honored to know you, to see your work, to have you on this show. And I hope that you continue doing what you're doing because when it's all said and done, I believe that you will be one of the great ones. So thank you for your work. I'm honored. Thank you. Um, I love learning from you, George. And um, I look forward to Many, 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 many more years of collaboration, friendship. Amen. Thanks. Amen. So let's put this in the universe. Let's put it in the universe. How can we find you? Yes. How can the audience find you to book you? Not yes. just in Boston, not just in the United States, all over the world. Um, if you go to the website, resonanceed.com, R-E-S-O-N-A-N-C-E-E-D.com, you can schedule a Calendly event with me anytime. So people have access to chat about SEL, to talk about where you're going and how I can support you. Um, there's also a ton, there's a resource page of a ton of free resources. We have a newsletter that goes out twice a month that gives research and readings and resources. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram at residence underscore ed. Um, I love to talk with people to hear what they're doing and to see how I can support them. So thank you for that opportunity to share that and put that out into the universe. I appreciate you and I appreciate the opportunity. It's my pleasure. And in the show notes, we will have her website so you can sign up for her newsletter and book her at your school, organization, or district. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. This is the LLD or Lifelong Learning Defined podcast. Thank you for listening to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast with George Valenzuela.